0: Greetings, heroes, and thank you for answering the summoner's call. Presented by The Gamers Inn, this is a podcast for all fans of Fire Emblem Heroes and the Fire Emblem franchise. I'm your host, Brian Murphy, and joining me as always, my co-host, Eddie. How's it going, Eddie?
1: Not too bad. I've been quite a crazy week uh, with those new heroes
0: we got. Yeah. No, for sure. We're going to talk about those new heroes. um, We're going to talk about some spoilers for Three Houses, so pay attention to the time codes. Although, I suppose, if you pay attention to the time codes in the notes, it's all Three Houses spoilers. So, well, let, you'll know. You'll know when they're coming up. But the game's been out for, what is this, its third year anniversary coming up in July? I guess. think so. Yeah, crazy. Think about right. Crazy that it's been three years already. But uh, before we head into that, we talk about the banners. And right now running is the Weekly Revival Banner 10, a season for Picnics Special Hero Revival Banner, until the 17th childhood encounter until the 18th and forces of will, the new banner until the 30th. Eddie, how did your adventures in summoning go this week?
1: Uh, well, uh, the other day I hopped into the weekly revival banner and managed to get a brave Ike off of it. So that was nice. Uh, I also dove into the fallen banner of course, and got a subasa early on, which has nothing to do with the banner, but Hey, uh, it was an early five star, uh, I did eventually get a Fallen Dimitri on the way to Spark, uh, but nothing else until I Sparked, which is where I picked up a Fallen Guard. I decided to drive, dive back in for Morgan and Morgan and got a variety of units. Uh, some Force Arboosts, some Pity Rakes. Not sure which is which off the top of my head. Uh, but I got an Ival, a Renolf, Exalted Crom, and a Brave Ike before getting Fallen Male Morgan. And I got a Fallen Ike before I stopped for a bit. Uh yeah, I'm kind of still slowly hunting for a fallen female Morgan, but you know, slowed it down a bit.
0: You'll get there. You'll get there. I am reminded by your uh, by your write up uh, of when we first got our Morgan and Morgan, and I remembered how that sounded like a law firm, and I think the, the show title played on that, and uh, also the yeah. the image banner. So yeah, that reminds me of uh, of another good time. I don't think they're gonna split these Morgans up. They're gonna keep these Morgans together, and I for one yep. am happy about that.
1: And yeah, I think I mentioned that last time we spoke about them. They are actually a law firm near law firm near me.
0: So <laughs> that's right. I think you looked it up, and they are a Florida law firm. Hopefully, they're still going strong, and they haven't fallen to the whims of Grima. But uh, well, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'll report back on that. We're not a law podcast. Um, For me, you know, usually you'd think, oh, Ryan had a slow week, didn't summon much. He just did a bunch of summons last month, so he's good. No.
1: I don't know. I think Edelgard and Dimitri might pull you into this banner. And yeah,
0: absolutely correct. I also kind of, I don't know if I was trying to convince myself to do it not based on Edelgard and Dimitri, because I am a fan of the... most characters in Three Houses. But I had a wild thought to try and get one of those Celestial Stones because I hadn't gotten one yet. Uh, So I aimed my sights on doing 40 summons in the new Forces of Will Banner. And of course, I was, you know, focusing on... Well, I was really just trying to get 40 summons, but I was keen to get Fallen Edelgard and Fallen Dimitri. Ended up getting Fallen Edelgard, Edelgard on my way to 40 summons. I also added a five-star Percival and a four-star Lineheart to my uh, to my collection, new to me. And repeats included a five-star Gel or Kajel, depending on whether the K is silent, and a five-star Petra, which I was excited when I saw that. And I remembered, oh, wait, I already have Petra. I really like mm-hmm. Petra from Three Houses, too. So
1: Yeah, yeah. a nice one, too. She's a
0: good one. Yeah, so I was pretty happy with that. And, of course, with my free summon, I chose Fallen Dimitri. It seems to be my, uh, yeah. I don't have a lot of experience with Dimitri other than killing him in <laughs> three houses. <laughs> and and we'll end up probably doing that again, I assume, later on in Game Club. And uh, but, oddly
1: enough, yeah, the Dimitri you have experience with is the most put together and, you know, sane Dimitri of the ones you encounter in the game. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I guess I guess post him, you know, getting sense smacked back into him in Blue Lions. He's more put together, but yeah, he never quite loses his mind the way he does in Blue Lions and Golden Deer in the Edelgard route.
0: Uh, I mean, you we were going to talk about it um, in the banner, but I think like as a tease to that. I'm I'm interested in our conversations of like where these characters come from if they're related to specific routes. Uh, my experience being playing the Edelgard route, uh, not not the church. I have not played the church route, um, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to the conversation, but uh, we'll leave it to in just a little bit. We'll get we'll get to it. But yeah, I was excited to play uh, to get fallen dimitri and i am i'm intrigued by the blue lions playthrough. i think playing through blue lions will be more work for me than possibly going back and doing the church route since i already have a save queued up but uh still i want to know what what people are so you know people really like dimitri and i haven't seen it yet so uh yeah we'll get there Um, Before we move into the events, though, I wanted to quickly touch on the reserve barracks that got added with the patch this week. And man, putting a bunch of characters in in the reserve barracks made summoning so much more satisfying because I did not have to go in and micromanage my heroes after every summon, even if I was like summoning one character. So I don't know if you had a lot of experience if you did this before you summon, but...
1: I only put one or two characters in there before I summoned. Uh, and I usually have a decent stash of three to four stars that I can turn into books. So haven't gotten around to putting a ton of characters into it. But I do need to do that before too long. So I have some... Makes it easier to look for
0: units that I'm using and stuff. Yeah. I just tossed a bunch of like four stars and three-star grand hero battle units that i didn't want to send home because they were technically unique but have no Mm -hmm. interest in ever paying attention to them much more than i have to so it was nice to just toss 30 heroes out of the way and then summon and and after my summoning session go in and clean out you know the four stars that need to go home so it was just a really nice change of pace i really appreciated it cool so i'm glad they added that
1: nice I'll probably dive into it at some point, but haven't quite dove much into it yet. Uh, But speaking of diving into stuff, we did finally get a new calendar, and it kicks things off with a new power banner starting on the 11th, followed by the next Legendary Hero Remix banner starting up on the 13th. Uh, The 14th brings us a new round of Hall of Forms with a Layla and Matthew Bound Hero Battle in banner starting up on the 15th. The 17th brings us a new Skills banner with Heroes with joint drive skills and the probably bridal tempest trial banner and login bonus on the 18th on the 20th. uh, We will prop get the, what is probably the bridal banner and login bonus uh, with the time before we come back rounding out with a set of colorless hostiles quests on the 22nd. And if you notice something there, you might uh, realize something is that we are going to be taking next week off.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a quiet week and gives us a good chance to take a break after finishing part one of Three Houses for Game Club. And I figured it was a good chance to pause for a week and come back recharged and ready to tackle uh, brand new special heroes. And yes, Bridal Month. Uh, looking forward to It's always an interesting month, Bridal Month.
1: I mean, it's interesting from our point of view because, you know, we don't have a specific month where we celebrate riot you know marriage and uh have stuff focused on marriage you know it's just a thing that happens whenever people want to happen throughout the year we don't vote fo- in america in the west we don't focus on doing it all within one month like and I, i'm sure they get married all throughout the year over in japan it's just they have an actual celebration for it in june or may I don't remember, I I don't remember if it's May or June, but sometime around this time, they spend a month focusing on brides and marriage and all.
0: Yeah, I I remember when I was getting married, like leading up to it, I didn't go to a lot of bridal shows. Um, Most of the stuff I needed to do for the wedding was kind of like either internet research or or just uh, local sort of contacts. But you, well, and again, pre-COVID, when you could have trade shows, Usually all the bridal shows would be like in the spring, especially if it's ramping up into a summer wedding, you're getting all the last minute stuff. Although I could be completely wrong. Maybe you got to book that. Yeah. But that stuff way in advance.
1: I won't argue that a lot of people like to have their weddings in the spring, but that's just because of the weather and all more than anything. It's not a cultural thing. Like it seems to be over in Japan.
0: No. Yeah. Okay. Well, just like picnics, they like to celebrate, um, things that are really cool so there you go we also did get
1: our uh resplendent leaf recently uh and they announced the next resplendent hero which is going to be nina uh who will be dressed in Emblian garb and coming out on the 25th and uh
0: yeah as you uh said we've got and as i've said we have got a new banner to talk about the forces of will we have new fallen heroes joining the ranks of new heroes this time featuring a return to the three houses, spoiler well, plus dual Morgans, which is also, I guess, a spoiler if you bought the DLC, I guess. Again, we'll talk about it a little bit. And a rando Sacred Stones GHB unit that I do not remember whatsoever, even though we just played this game. Okay. You, you don't remember Orson at all? I don't know. Let me, let me pull him up again. Well, we'll
1: discuss We're talk him later. About it I have some details of his story.
0: Good. On, so. Fill me in.
1: But before we get to Orson, first let's fill you on Dmitri, Dimitri, the savage boar. While the lance with eyes on it never appeared in three houses that I know of, uh, this version of Dimitri has fully succumbed to the voices of, dead, of the dead in his head uh, that have been there ever since the tragedy of Dusker. Never being able to let go of the past has driven him into a maddened state, and he views even himself as nothing more than a monster whose only purpose... Uh, of existence is to bring justice to the woman he wrongly believes responsible for everything this version of him is a blue lance infantry unit and he wields the vengeful lance which grants him attack plus three as well as attack speed plus six during combat also if his attack is greater than his foe's defense and he cannot make a follow-up attack it deals damage equal to half of his attack minus his foe's defense Uh, he has a unique skill called murderous lion which grants him Kanto remaining plus one and debuffs his enemy by speed defense plus or minus three. Uh, also it prevents counterattack If he is not adjacent to an ally, he also comes with glimmer tier four attack speed solo and odd tempest.
0: It's a good kit. It's a lot of text. I think he came sort of second recommended after Edelgard in terms of uh, who to summon for?
1: He is powerful. He is uh, definitely a hit-and-run character. Uh, with him being an infantry unit with Kanto, he can dive in there, smack him. Uh, they, As long as he has no allies are next to him, he can you know not have to worry about getting counterattacked and back away, allowing another ally to potentially come in and kill him off if he didn't do it himself. So, and He's decently powerful on his own. I mean, unless I misread his weapon, it depends on his speed versus the enemy's speed. So he may or may not trigger often, but at least some of the requirements will trigger almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Just whether or not the ability to follow up will trigger it or not.
0: Right. Now, you know? in terms of his look and whether or not, here's the thing. Here's my reaction to this banner it was like, oh, that's the Dimitri I fought when I played the Edelgar route. And again, was just a, a reaction. I didn't look it up. I didn't confirm. I could be completely wrong. Uh, but for Edelgard, which we'll talk about later on, was like, when did that happen? And again, <laughs> this is that effect that this game has in that even as... And I know there are people who listen to the show who have played all the routes and have read all the Wikipedia articles, which is great. But that is not us and especially not me. Um, but I find it so great that three years later, we can have these surprise conversations where we played a lot of this game and there's stuff we're still discovering. And I'm pretty sure Dimitri, I know Dimitri was unhinged when I, when he was the final, sorry, secondary final boss uh, in, in the black Eagles route. I don't know if he was like, he had like a, a devil, uh, Lance and sort of purple glow, but I, I'm pretty I sure... I believe
1: he had Aridbar, his normal weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is not the Dimitri from the Crimson Flower route. Okay. Uh, I double-checked it and looked it up. Dimitri in Crimson Flower has both of his eyes. He has slightly longer hair. He has both of and his Arid eyes? Cr- yeah, he doesn't have an eye patch in the Crimson Flower route.
0: Okay. Now... I'm wondering if we, I don't, for some reason, I just remember. I mean, that is the
1: Dimitri you most often saw on a, um, that is Dimitri you most often saw in ads. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But it's not the Dimitri that you saw in
0: Flower. I got a. So where does, where does he. Where does he sort of have... So the eye patch is, is the Blue Lion's route, then? I believe he does have
1: the eye patch in the um, Golden Deer route as well. Uh, essentially, in the Blue Lion's route and Golden Deer route, he gets captured by Edelgard, and in his escape, he gets injured, or he gets injured when captured and loses the eye. Hmm. Um, I posted you a link that should hopefully pull up the image that shows dimitri from the crimson flower route
0: well i mean it, it, yeah It that's definitely him with two eyes I, I don't recognize like maybe you come across him a bunch of times but then that i guess that does look like the final map i mean i'm not i I it's interesting when you read the meet the heroes page uh describing this specific dimitri when the Adrestian Empire embarked on its conquest of Folan, Dimitri returned to Fargus to fight back, but the kingdom was hardly unified. So it sounds like this is a version of that, maybe.
1: Essentially, um, in the Blue Lions, in the um, Golden Deer, I believe he does return. He, uh, you have the person who works with uh, the bad guys, uh, you know, Solon and Kranya, and them. Uh, I forget her name. Uh, Cordelia or Constance or something like that. Oh yeah, uh, we just fought her. Uh, I can't remember her name either. <laughs> well, we haven't fought her in our game, have but, we not? Um, oh I no, I don't think we. In- they introduce her till the second half. Really, she might be spoken of in some past. She's a mage who saved the king or did something in the past or saved Fargus from a plague, um, and was given a spot as the royal mage or whatever oh. for the country.
0: You're talking about Blue Lions.
1: Yeah. Okay, never mind. Um, I believe she appears in all three routes. Um, I think you do kill her in Crimson Flower to jab at uh, Thalys and them. Uh, You're only supposed to, like, stop her because she starts getting too big for her britches or something. And you end up killing her or you decide you need to jab back at them and you kill her. You know, Um, but, uh, you know. She she's in charge and is taking over and fighting to take over and she captures him and you know, in the Blue Lions, he shows up, lost an eye short uh, and I believe when he shows up in Golden Deer, he also has lost the eye, so in those he was captured, but in the Crimson Flower, because the church went with the Blue, with the Holy Kingdom of Fargus and Rhea was never captured, uh, he never gets captured and loses his eye.
0: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Then I'm, I'm mistaken. I think upon further investigation, I am, I'm mistaken here. So this is just a Dimitri who just had a couple rough nights, too many and, and uh, yeah, not Um, having it.
1: Yeah. This is Dimitri from either blue Lions or golden deer who, you know, got captured, lost his eye, escaped Um, in blue lions. I don't know if he goes quite this far. I think he is pretty close to that far for the first half of the, Uh, second part of blue lions and then further things happen that snap him out of it. Uh, But in golden deer, I don't think he ever recovers.
0: All right. Well, we will see as we move forward in our playthrough of, uh, of the uh, golden deer route, but uh, moving over to awakening, we have Morgan and Morgan that we're going to talk about. This uh, first up is Morgan faded darkness. Morgan is the son of the legendary tactician, Robin and he aspires to follow in her footsteps and become a tactician himself. He came to ask her from a future version of Robin's world, and it turns out the version of the future he came from was a world of despair, where Grima had possessed Robin and made a servant of Morgan. <laughs> I don't know why I said that's so cheerful. But it is bad. It's very bad. It's not a good future. Um Morgan is a red tome infantry wielding tome of despair. See, I told you it's not good. Which grants attack plus 3, and at start of combat, if unit's HP is greater than or equal to 25%, inflicts attack slash resistance minus 6 on foe during combat. Uh, And also, the following effects will occur based on the value of total bonuses on unit plus value of total penalties on foe. Tuck in for this one, folks. If greater than or equal to 5, foe cannot make a follow-up attack. And if greater than or equal to 10, unit makes a guaranteed follow-up attack. And if greater than or equal to 15, inflicts special cooldown charge minus 1 on foe per attack during combat. Morgan has a new skill in the C slot called attack slash resistance menace, where at start of turn, inflicts attack slash resistance minus 6 on nearest foes within 4 spaces through their next actions and grants attack slash resistance plus 6 to unit for 1 turn. Rounding at his kit, his Iceberg is a special. Attack slash Resistance solo 4 in the A slot. And Sabotage, Defense 3 in the B slot. So lots there. Lots there to go over. Um, The first thing that pops into my head is the incredible if-and statement that is part of his weapon.
1: (laughs) The incredible if-and statement that only matters if you try to inherit it to someone else or change up his skills.
0: Why is that? Is that because it's just not going to trigger as much as. Um, so,
1: his attack resistance menace skill will guarantee that the first two uh, effects trigger no matter what. And if he attacks someone that gets debuffed by that skill, uh, he will guarantee all three of them attack. Because the way it calculates is, you know. His attack resistance plus six that he gets from his attack resistance menace uh, is twelve points right there, and if he attacks a foe who was attacked by was hit by the menace uh, debuff, that's twenty four points right there. So he gets all three of them right away, and that solo skill will if he's not you know next to someone, although that might be during combat, so that wouldn't calculate in. But hmm. so.
0: No, then there you go. I mean, if you, yeah, so if you are, so his kit is, is based to, to allow this thing to do maximum damage, but if you try to inherit it to somebody else, you're going to have to build a specific kit to fully take advantage of the a sort of statement, right?
1: Yep. Um, let me see if I can pull it up. Cause I think it even gives you an example in the, uh, description of the weapon, a block of text on there. So they make oh, it yeah. even bigger. Example. Uh, this is from female Morgans who has pretty much the same weapon or same, yeah, weapon skill. Uh, but, for example, if unit has attack defense plus six bonus and foe has attack defense minus six penalty, the calculated total will be 24. So, yeah, that menace skill, attack resistance for his calculations, hers are dis- attack defense. That menace skill gives, him, gives them everything they need if they attack someone who got hit by the menace skill,
0: you know. Oh, wow. Well, then there you go. If
1: they hit someone who wasn't affected by it, then they already, unless the menace skill, I mean, theoretically, it should activate either way, you know, the tech defense boost for them, as long as there's someone within four spots of them to activate it. So,
0: Well, there you go. Um, I'm guessing female Morgan doesn't have quite the same unless you said see above in your notes. I pretty much did say see above, so
1: let's go ahead and go over her stuff here. Um, with Morgan being able to be either male or female in Awakening, of course the female version had to make an appearance as well. She is a green flying axe unit here. She wields the Axe of Despair, which is very similar to her male counterpart's tome, except it boosts her special trigger instead of boosting her attack, uh, so she gets special minus one, allowing her uh, special to trigger more often, and instead of debuffing resistance on the weapon skill, it debuffs defense, and calculates all of its stats based off of uh, attack defense instead of attack resistance. Uh, She also comes with a new menace skill, uh, which is uh, this one being attack defense instead of the attack resistance version Male Fallen Morgan has, uh, as well as coming with Glimmer, Tier 4 attack defense solo, and Dive Bomb to fill out the rest of her things. So, yeah, she's pretty much the same as above, just, you know, uh, defense instead of resistance and special trigger instead of uh, base attack boost that male morgan has. Mm. And her B skill is uh, dive bomb, which allows her to do both her counterattacks before the foe attacks. Or both her follow up attack before the foe has a chance to counter attack.
0: Right. So and and so these now that we've talked about both Morgans, these these characters are based on some DLC that came out for Awakening. Now, I know the Morgans are in Awakening, yep. but.
1: Something like Future Past or something like that. I can't remember what the exact name was, but and I'll admit I never did get around to playing through that DLC, but yeah, mm-hmm. the DLC where, you know, you failed possibly the original future where you failed and Morgan was taken over by uh, Grima since, you know, their father or mother was grima you know in a future where everything failed and fell
0: yeah i never played the dlc as well but i just i remember i remember when when the character was revealed as like oh yeah this is from the dlc so i i think that's really cool that they're pulling from awakening dlc as well that's that's pretty neat i think
1: yeah that's pretty neat. good design for them
0: yeah no they both look really great and uh, I'm glad they're keeping the fallen banners uh, going strong because uh, I think this one nails it across the board from a design and and from a concept as well. So it'll be it'll be tough to follow up this one. And I'm just I'm just delaying because I now see my well, wall of text I got to read. If, and,
1: if anything, I'd say this concept is kind of um, or if anything, I'd say some of the heroes on this banner are a little early, but is what it is. Yeah, yeah. They chose to do them now, but as as we get our fifth or sixth Edelgard and Dimitri...
0: <laughs> you know what? Uh, look at look at it this way. This this clears up uh, the bridal banner to ha- not to not have any uh, three houses characters, right? Right. <laughs> I guess so. If you don't want any three houses characters in
1: bridal dresses,
0: I'm not saying I don't. I'm just saying that I feel like. If they did it back to back, there might be some emails. There is a
1: good chance that we will not get any three houses characters in the bridal banner. Correct. Exactly.
0: Well, uh, unless uh, you know, mark this timestamp, and we're completely wrong, because uh, intelligence systems like hey, so. I'm
1: not. I'm not saying a hundred percent at all. So <laughs> there's a good
0: chance. It okay. Yeah. Well, Let's not get into the numbers because you're right. I there's mean, a good chance.
1: Considering the last, um, uh, the special banner from. Last month, I wouldn't have expected Orson to come out here. but
0: And here we are. You Look at you itching to, to get to Orson. We're going to talk about Orson a little bit. but We're going to talk about Edelgard now, the Hegemon Husk. It's a new type of Pokemon, or Digimon. Uh, yeah, probably a Pokemon. It, it, it is Nintendo. Anyways, after ascending to the throne of the Adrestian Empire, Edelgard embarked on a conquest of Fodlan. While the Empire had the benefit of a powerful military, it still uh, found itself ensnared in a number of fierce battles with its rivals. In one critical battle, Edelgard attempted to obtain even greater power to defeat her foes. That's how she ended up looking like this. Edelgard is a colorless, armor-beast, wielding, twin-crest power which accelerates special trigger, cooldown count minus one, At start of combat, if unit's HP is greater than or equal to 25%, inflicts attack slash defense minus 6 on foe during combat, and unit and foe both cannot make a follow-up attack. And also, if unit initiates combat while transformed, grants another action to unit after combat once per turn. At start of turn, if unit is adjacent to only beast or dragon allies, or if unit is not adjacent to any ally, unit transforms. So like other beast units. If unit transforms, grants attack plus two, and unit can counterattack regardless of foe's range. She has two new skills, first one being in the A slot, called attack slash defense ideal. Oh, I almost thought that was an exclamation point. Attack slash defense idea! No, it's ideal four. Where at start of combat, if unit's HP is equal to 100%, or if bonus is active on unit, grants attack slash defense plus seven to unit during combat, At start of combat, if unit's HP is equal to 100% and bonus is active on unit, grants an additional attack slash defense plus 2 to unit during combat. Her second skill, her second new skill is in the B slot called Armored Wall, where at start of combat, if unit's HP is greater than or equal to 25%, grants special cooldown charge plus 1 to unit, inflicts special cooldown charge minus 1 on foe per attack during combat, only the highest value applied and does not stack. And restores seven HP to unit after combat. During unit's first combat, if in player phase or enemy phase at start of combat, if unit's HP is greater than or equal to twenty-five percent while transformed, reduces damage from foe's first attack by forty percent. Rounding out her kit is bonfire as a special, and armored stride three in the C slot. Whew. My God. So yeah, just
1: not much detail. Not much. To make her too powerful or anything. No, it's not you know, like uh, they the have armored, a... Armored th- armored beast boost of bonus attack and counter, you know, distant count, Built-in wary attacker or wary defense or whatever it is. Um, and built-in gale force.
0: Yeah, that's a bit of power to her. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be an Edelgard without power creep, right? True. Her, and, yeah, her, so...
1: And then, yeah, her... Special skill has, you know, built in uh, damage reduction and healing. And yeah, it's so.
0: And this is kind of why I thought, okay, I'm going to go for this banner. And I, and I was just going to be happy to get Edelgard on the free summon. But the fact that I got both Three Houses characters, pretty happy with that. Um, now, before we talk about where she's from, because again, I, I had not experienced her within Three Houses like this. Uh, but I think her design is just freaking rad she looks great and she's got like sort of the corruption that you see when the monsters kind of take over um take over uh the the well there we we did a chapter where the monster not a monster but he used the the hero's relic and it didn't like him and he kind of turned into a monster it feels like a similar crest yes yeah so you didn't you
1: didn't have the compatible or you didn't have any crest at all so the crest in the weapon
0: uh took him over and turned him into a beast. Uh, So what's the story here? Is this an Edelgard that is present in Three Houses? Yes, it is. It's the
1: Edelgard you face on the final map of the Blue Lion's route. Uh, She seems normal up till then, and then you get there, and she's this giant uh, beast that you see in the transformed version. Uh, After you defeat her, she kind of reverts back to her normal self and tries to play a trick on Dimitri or whatever, and...
0: That does not succeed. So. What kind of trick? Like uh, a coin behind your ear? Kind of like
1: I'm defeated and tries to stab him, and he just stabs her. Oh, uh, she might get him, but he stabs her as well, and he survives it. Type thing.
0: Oh, but. so not here's a here's a nickel behind your earlobe or something. It's a
1: <laughs> no. It's I'm defeated. I give up. And stab. I'm gonna take you with me. Type thing.
0: God, Edelgard really was the worst
1: especially in the blue lines. And even even then, uh, uh, up until she'd used this thing and pulled the thing she tried to do at the end, she really wasn't that bad. She just had ideals that did not mesh with Dimitri's and she wasn't backing down. Mm-hmm. I mean, before that fight, like, I don't know if it's right before that final battle or two battles before, they meet and have a civil discussion accepting that they cannot, they you know will never see eye to eye and must both see through what they believe in to the end, you know? So. Yeah.
0: I yeah. mean, that's one of those things I, I, I feel like I am missing a good chunk of story from three houses. And it's, it's always, I'm not, I'm not worried when I'm quote unquote spoiled by, you know, uh, Fire yeah. Emblem Heroes. I kind of like it. I kind of like, you know, experiencing these heroes, uh, through this game and then us getting to chat about like, okay, like what did I miss? Because, this, three years later, I had no idea that Edelgard turned into a monster in the Blue Lion's route. And I'm I'm sure there are a lot of folks that had that I mean, same... You might have direction. had some
1: idea, because I'm pretty sure when we first discussed Three Houses, after playing through it, I kind of hinted that, maybe I didn't straight up say it, but I hinted that she she goes pretty far in the
0: Blue Lion's route. Yeah, but that could mean anything. She Maybe I thought she started to I mean, train for I mean, 5K. Set, she turns into a monster. I can't remember, but you know... It's been a while since we discussed it. She's a monster. I get it. I get it. But you meant literal monster, and I meant figurative monster. See how the confusion could arise, right?
1: Sure. We'll go with that.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, uh, let's wrap up these fallen heroes with our good old out-of-place Sacred Stones Orson.
1: He's not out-of-place in that he is sort of a fallen hero, so he fits the theme of the banner. But... He does not come from either of the games that have already been on it. And like I mentioned, we did just have a sacred stones banner with the child banner, uh, but a paladin of Renee, uh, he fell or- orson passions folly Yeah, paladin of Renee. He fell into despair when he lost his wife and betrayed his homeland. When the Dean demon King offered him a chance to have her back, his love blinded him to the rotting zombified husk that she was. And he ruled Renee poorly for the demon King until Ephraim and Erica returned and stopped him. He joins heroes in the GHB as a blue Lance cavalry unit with his dead wife soul praying for his redemption in his damage star, He wields the bereft Lance, which grants him defense plus three and gives him an in- incremental attack defense boost based on how alone he is going by twos from six. Uh, if he is all, uh, completely alone, uh, to zero if he has three or more allies within two spaces of him during combat. Also, if one or fewer hour, one or fewer allies is near him uh, during combat, it neutralizes his foes bonuses from skills like Rally and such during combat. He does not have any new skills as a GHP unit, but he does have Ignis, Vantage, and Aroused Attack Defense.
0: Okay, I remember this guy now, now that you've read out his sort of intro.
1: Yeah, he was a paladin who you used in the first couple chapters or appeared in the first couple chapters, and then he betrayed them. And when you return to Renee, he was there installed as a ruler with a kind of rotten zombie husk that he thought was his wife.
0: Yeah, I do remember that. I think that's what kind of triggered the memory. And uh, I-, I love the fact that you pointed out sort of the, the tidbit of, of his damaged art where his wife is, is praying for his soul there in the background. That is that is haunting, uh, but also a really cool addition. Kind of reminds me of Fallen um, Burkut. Yeah, Fallen I was
1: Burkut? expecting something to do with the wife in this in his art somewhere, uh, similar to Fallen Burkut in the f- flame Renea that's circling him. Um, but, you know, this actually fits better. I mean, otherwise it would be kind of an ugly zombified person with him so his you know the only way the way i interpret that damage art is that it's his fallen wife's soul praying for him
0: yeah i think that's a that's a good way of putting it i think that works and uh yeah no he's i'm gonna have to go get him Uh, i have not done the grand hero battle yet i don't know if you've had a chance i
1: also need to remember to do that before it goes away
0: yeah because that is um that is a rad uh, sort of piece of art and a character that I, I do remember now and also just uh, probably a grand hero battle that we've had in a while that I've just kind of intrigued by the character more than anything. Um, it's I can't even remember the last GHP where I was like, oh, I got to run over and get that. Um, temperature trials, I'm usually good to go. I'm happy to have that character, but GHB, mm-hmm. I can it's kind of hit and miss, right? Yep. Cool. Well, that is going to do it for the Fallen Banner and the. Th- 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 I almost did it again. Uh, the Fire Emblem Heroes uh, portion of our show, but we are going to move into the Game Club. Don't you worry. We're not leaving yet. We got to talk about three houses. Yes, three houses. We are finishing up White Clouds, the Cloud Route, uh, Part One. Of Fire Emblem Three Houses, and today. We're talking about Chapter 12, To War, the final chapter of Part 1, and it goes a little like this. Shamir reports that Edelgard's forces are going to meet up with the main Imperial army and invade Garakmok Monastery in two weeks' time. Rhea orders Bailiff to assume her duties if something should happen to her in the upcoming battle, Afterwards, Seteth demands that Rhea explain just what Byleth is, and Rhea reveals that Byleth is the vessel for the progeni- progenitor god, and that they will eventually become one with the power within and resurrect said god. Two weeks pass, and the Adrestrian army arrives with Edelgard at its head. A climactic battle ensues, and Byleth seemingly gets the upper hand against Edelgard, but she calls in reinforcements led by Lord Arendelle and... <laughs> I had some frozen flashbacks there when I read that. Uh, maybe, maybe it's exactly how it sounds, but um, that's the only way I can read it. I don't know, Eddie. Am I making a mistake with Arendelle, or is it Arundel?
1: I pronounce it Arundel or Arundel, but yeah, no, Arundel works, I guess.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I I don't know if Nintendo, I don't know if Disney cares, but you're probably right. It's probably Arundel, just to avoid the whole. You know, we'll we'll just let it go. Well, um you
1: know, remind the fact that they're spelled differently or in all, you know. Ah oh,
0: well, you know, it's not about how it's spelled, it's about how it sounds in your head, right? Uh, that's that's Can lawyer I... that's not how lawyers work. <laughs> uh Rhea entrusts the safety of the Garrick Mock citizens to Bylith, declares that she will not allow a repeat of the Red Canyon tragedy, transforms into a dem- into a colossal dragon and decimates the imperial foes. Several demonic beasts attack and put Rhea on the back foot, but Byleth reinforces her after they evacuate the officer's academy students. Suddenly, Thales appears and knocks Byleth into a deep ravine. As narrated by Gerald, Adrestria wins the Battle of Garakmok and forces the Knights of Saros to surrender, and Rhea goes missing. The Empire then begins a full-scale war with Fargus and Laster did it Lester, hey. damn it oh no i even stopped it's like it's not lake Leicester, okay it's not that so just say something that isn't that and i was wrong
1: Yeah, uh, close enough i mean like you said at least you didn't do leicester or something like that
0: yeah oh well can't win them all uh this was a really cool chapter and for me it was playing the other side of what i had played in black eagles so it was really cool
1: it's a cool chapter, but illogical. On the uh, on the Crimson Flower, it sort of makes sense as you run back and regroup that maybe you lost 14 days in that retreat to get ready to regroup and head back. But here you go upstairs and it takes you 14 days to do it. I mean, it's just an issue of how they coded the game because for whatever reason, they couldn't have the final mission happen on day 14. They had to have it happen at the end of the month. So you lost 14 days randomly for no logical explanation unless you decided to come up and just sit and nap instead of preparing for an extra two weeks as they got ready to invade two weeks out.
0: Yeah, and, and you are right. Like it, it, is, it, it has completely skipped two weeks in the calendar. This isn't like they ended two weeks early. I think that would have been the more logical step is to end two weeks early to avoid yeah, sort of the start,
1: start at the beginning of the month and end on the 14th or whatever.
0: Yeah. But, but maybe they wanted to keep in line with the other chapters where you always have the mission at the end of That's what month. I'm
1: saying with it's an issue with how they coded it in that, you know, it was either not, pl- not possible to do it like that, or it was not plausible to do it like that, or it was too much w- more work than they wanted to do to do it like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they coded the game so that the end of, uh, you know, end of month battle always happens near the end of the month, and they couldn't change it so that it happens on the fourteenth or whatever, or chose not to.
0: Yeah, I, I guess like for me, I I didn't notice it. Um, and may, maybe it plays differently in Black Eagles. I didn't really notice it. It didn't it didn't jar me at the time. I think I think maybe it's only a problem because because you you know I guess if you don't notice it, it's not a big deal. But you're right. It is a little jarring that it kind of skips two weeks when you could have logically, I, I understand that
1: other other stuff in those two weeks. you know. Yeah.
0: And I understand you don't, you know, you want to set up this, uh, the appearance of danger in that Edelgard is coming with her army. And, and yeah,
1: that's where my thing is, is I have no issue with the two week uh, timer, you know, it's just that it starts at the end of middle of the month randomly. So you had a full four weeks of the month but you just, two of them vanish randomly. Like I said, for the Crimson Flower, it's less noticeable because, uh, you know, the Black Eagles in Edelgard are running from the monastery to this base camp that they have set up that you spend your time in during those two weeks as you prep. So, you know, you could argue that that base camp is a couple weeks out and slowly moving forward those two weeks while you're doing other stuff. But when you're already in the place that you're defending, you know, and there's no explanation as to why you're starting, you know, two weeks into the month, it's more noticeable and jarring. Hmm. I
0: mean, it's not like this crazy thing that we need to really worry about. It's it's such a small, insignificant part of this whole chapter, right? Like, I think it's, it's oh, yeah. worth noting, that, though.
1: That's why it's, you know, it just strikes me as a little weird more than anything, and Kind of illogical, you know. Yeah. Just have it be the fourteenth is when they attack because, you know, the way the chapter ends, it when the you know when in the month all this happened doesn't matter.
0: Mm. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, it's not like you're going straight on to the next month. You're taking your time jump.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, I gotta say, like, uh, as someone who, the when I chose which route to take when i first played this game i i basically wanted a spoiler free reason to choose a, a route and when i searched like okay what should i play first and immediately what was what was um sort of suggested was uh the crimson flower route and when i played that and you you suddenly Raya becomes this giant dragon you're like holy crap like this is crazy how are people okay with this and um sure and 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 a little bit in the clod route you get those like what is this immaculate one? Like, this is pretty crazy I think Claude finds the drawing and stuff, but Mm -hmm. I had no idea that this route. And I guess by that, by that extension, all routes sort of reveal Rhea to be this giant fire emblem dragon. And everyone, I guess we don't know if everyone's cool with it, but (laughs) I guess Mm -hmm. we'll find out next week. I mean, you played blue lions. Like when Rhea becomes this dragon, do, do the other people see it? I think they do see it because in the animation you see Dimitri fighting.
1: It's hard to say who actually sees it. Because, you know, it's hard to say for sure who sees it. But yes, Claude and Dimitri would both see it. I think there's a good chance, and I could be wrong, that the uh, cutscene is the same no matter what route you're playing. Um, With I don't, this is new Claude, to me. Dimitri and Okay. I felt like it was again maybe it's there's a different years. one for the edelgard side of things but then I mean, it would be different for the edelgard side of things because byleth is not over near edelgard with her telling her to protect people so the edelgard one would definitely be different to some degree but i believe it is very similar you know uh the whole time all three route or all three routes i think this is the exact same cutscene if you're playing the three church routes uh, azure Moon, Verdant Wind, and White Clouds, or whatever the silver something. I don't remember. the church route.
0: Church, go to church, be yep. quiet in church, I think is the route name. That's...
1: So I believe it's the same cutscene for those three routes and the different one for uh, Crimson Flower because, you know, you're viewing it from a different side. Uh, you know, Ray is pissed at you as much as she is at, um, at Edelgard.
0: So. yeah yeah well she definitely feels betrayed by by Bileth. Mm-hmm. um yeah it, it was a really i really like the chapter uh and i like how like i said i was sort of playing the other side whereas when i played i was the invaders uh mm-hmm. three years back um in terms of recruits you do get Sedith joining your team by default he sort of pops in i yep don't know i mean i don't know personally i think you've played a little bit ahead he sticks with you right like you don't lose characters when you move to the next uh the next part
1: uh you do not lose Seth.
0: okay okay well i guess we'll we'll follow there is
1: actually one character who i have noticed not in my barracks anymore i think everyone else is there
0: is it a spoiler reason or is it just you can't remember
1: ash doesn't reappear Oh, okay, um, interesting. This happens in this happened in the um, Blue Lions route for me as well. Uh, I had recruited everyone on that playthrough as well. Um, and Lawrence did not uh, appear in the Blue Lions B side or second half. Uh, you also had another random bonus character in Gilbert, uh, Annette's father, joins you. Um, uh, but like to do, uh and Lawrence did not appear for. A number of chapters and then you eventually fight Lawrence on a um, random and ma- on a map and if since I had recru- recruited him when I defeated him with Byleth I had a, cho- had a ch- choice to let him rejoin me or let him join me again
0: oh. so I'm
1: guessing Ash will be a similar thing where at some point I will fight him on a random map and he will if you defeat him with Byleth you'll have a option to recruit him again
0: okay i remember there is like one character for each route that you can recruit in part two um i remember when i played through uh it was lysithia uh when i played yeah, this... although
1: for me i recall that lysithia i recruited her before the change turnover and she stayed as opposed to ash and Lawrence who vanished so okay
0: then maybe no, yeah, because I hadn't recruited her. I think she was just a character I could recruit. Maybe I'm, I'm mistaken, but this makes sense. I think it, I think it makes sense. Um, okay, so I also wanted to note that I, speaking of Ash, I, I did some last minute recruiting. I figured like, well, if I don't get you guys on my team, you're, you're, you're doomed. So I managed to throw a bunch of flowers at Felix and a bunch of flowers at Ash. Managed to recruit both of them. Uh, although Ash was a little easier because I had built up uh, reputation from my last playthrough. So I just unlocked his support level. But uh, Ferdinand uh, was a no-go. I was unable to recruit Ferdinand. And I don't even know if I can, to be honest. Now that I'm, I never looked it up, but he's dead I mean, to me. I recruited I recruited
1: Ferdinand. but
0: Okay, well, he's just dead to me then.
1: I mean, pretty much any student other than the house leader and their second-in-command. Uh, so... Um, you know, Edelgard and uh, creepy Hubert. Oh, yeah. Uh, super creep. Super creep. Yeah. Hubert. Uh, Dedue and Dimitri cannot be recruited. And I believe uh, Claude and Hilda cannot be recruited. Uh, although if you take the church route, you can recruit Hilda during the last month once you've turned against the Black Eagles. Interesting.
0: Interesting. Man, what a wild game with so many just intricate parts that you thought maybe they would sell as DLC, but maybe they learned their lesson from uh, <laughs> from Fates. Uh, it is really cool that all of this is in one game, and um, they've set a high bar for what will be a follow up, right? Well, we don't know if
1: the next one is going to be a direct follow up like some of the others have been. I mean, I'm hoping the next release for Final is a FE4 remake, but. Uh, aside from that, it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do with the next mainline, you know, game that's not a remake. Uh, but before we get to that, we do have more of uh, Three Houses to play through. As next time we meet in two weeks, we'll be discussing Chapter Thirteen, uh, Part, you know, the first chapter of Part Two, Verdant Winds, uh, where we'll also get to see all of our uh, students' glow-ups, or at least all the golden deer students
0: glow ups oh, i can't wait so it's so one of my favorite parts about this game is seeing our characters grow up and get longer hair this will
1: be our first time to see uh the uh ashen wolves in their adult form oh. uh not it'll be a couple weeks before or a couple chapters before we get there because uh i've already actually played ahead and played through chapter 13 so you don't see anyone but the church characters who don't change at all and the students of the golden deer who
0: do change
1: uh, over the five years, uh, during chapter 13, it's chapter 14 when you finally get to see everyone else.
0: Well, I look forward to that. I can't wait to uh, continue playing. Um, but we are going to have to wait one week. As we said, we're taking a little bit of a break. Uh, we talked a little pre-show. Uh, we're definitely committing to chapter 13, which is just a mission. Um, but maybe we'll dip our toes into 14, depending on how, uh, Eddie's crazy grinding goes, do you have an update for everybody on your grinding?
1: Uh, I'm still doing crazy grinding. I'm kind of focusing it via uh, support rep. So I'm trying to, you know, picking a character, grinding up all their supports, and then going on to the next one. Uh, So working my way through that while leveling them through what classes they've gotten and giving them, uh, upping their weapon skills and all that. So nice and slow going, but I'm working on it. Um, and if you want, we can probably commit to doing at least the, uh, monastery section of chapter 14 right now because chapter
0: 13 is pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. So yeah, if you're playing alongside us, definitely dip your toes into 14, start poking around the monastery. Um, would it be a spoiler to ask, like, is it the monastery? Like, are you back at the monastery or are you, are you, cause in Black Eagle, you're in like some cave.
1: In Black Eagle, you're in a cave during Chapter 12. In Chapter 13, you return to the monastery.
0: Man, I do not remember good chunks of this game. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, this is why we had yeah, you on the show.
1: Instead to... of building out two hubs, they just made it to the monastery. And there's explanations as to why the
0: other side has not taken over it or whatever. But uh, you, know. you know what? Now that you say that, I do remember... You go back. You're definitely oh, yeah. only in the cave for like one chapter because I was like, man, yep. th- they really traded down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So,
1: so pretty... return back thing. to the monastery because and I, it makes sense because it'd be... I mean, I can see why they might do it, but it would be kind of a hassle to build out a whole new camp to use with all the uh, amenities and stuff that they want to keep uh, allowing you to use during the second half of the game
0: yeah makes sense all right well now that uh, ryan's brain is slowly being I mean, put back there, together, there are
1: some subtle changes to the monastery like you know random piles of rubble around but like part of chapter 13 is chatting about fixing up the monastery since it's been abandoned for five years
0: right all right well i look forward to that i i I can't wait to get into part two. This is this is I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. This is the main reason I'm like we gotta do three houses, cause we gotta get Ryan playing another part two of this game. Cause I feel like I feel like only having playing one played one route, I was I'm kinda missing out. So I'm glad we're almost there. We're so close. Uh but yeah, that is going to do it for our episode this week. Uh hope you enjoyed it. Visit us on the web, gamersinpodcast.com slash fay. Email the show, Faye at Gamers Check out the Fire Emblem channel in the Gamers in Discord at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me at R. Murphy, Eddie at Draw and don't forget to follow at the Gamers in for show updates. Be sure to check out serenesforest.net, our go to resource for Fire Emblem news and information. That's going to do it for this episode of Summoner's Call. Have a great week, and happy summoning.